I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. I feel the lingering presence of Jesus. <laughs> Worship was so precious, and I just felt the privilege and the honor to say holy, to let the words holy come out of my mouth this morning. Just turn the sound off. And truly, that's what it is. It's what we were born to release, and yet, what an honor, what a privilege. And... Um, it's funny that Renee said that I carry peace, you know, this whole week I've been, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to release peace. And the Lord was like, yes, you are, because that is what you bring. And so here I want to stand up here confident of the anointing and the calling that the Lord's put on my life to bring peace and rest and holiness into a situation, into an atmosphere to be confident in who he created to me, me to be as a daughter of the prince of, of peace, as a daughter of the most high God. So as I begin, I'm, that's my prayer. Holy Spirit, you're here. Come even more. Come with your peace. Prince of peace, invade this room. Invade our hearts. I want you to just imagine your, your heart with a big old door on it. And I want you to just swing wide that door. I want you to see yourself just opening up your heart and just swing wide the door of your heart right now to receive revelation, I believe. At this moment, love and peace and holiness. Amen? Amen. Okay, Renee asked me a few weeks ago to speak on the Sabbath. And um, I've had a whole lifetime of preparation to speak this message. <laughs> Sometimes I think, well, who am I? And the Lord was like, you've had a lifetime of preparation for this. So I kind of feel like Esther <laughs> in a way. I've been, I've been soaked in it. And uh, it's that time to stand up and, and let it leak out. <laughs> and so the title of this message is Sabbath, a holy rest for your soul. So I just want everyone to just breathe in deeply and just let it out. Just sigh. When I wrote the title, I literally felt the presence of the Lord on my shoulders, and I just thought, wow. Those words had what they carry, what they had in them, almost caused me to weep. <laughs> Not because I'm sad, but because of what they're holding, of what they were created for. This word Sabbath and all that it holds and all that it is, all that it embodies, and I literally felt it on my shoulders, not a heavy weight, but like a sigh. Like when you exhale. <sighs> when you can sink into something like a, oh man, like, like the most amazing mattress. Man, I'm, I'm approaching 40 and I'm like, man, good mattresses make a real difference. <laughs> Any amens in the room? Okay, okay, some of you know me as worship leader Kes, some of you know me as comedian Kes. <laughs> so, I didn't plan any jokes, and I told Jai, I didn't plan anything funny to say. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> Just let it happen. <laughs> so, if it happens, bless you. <laughs> I hope it's a blessing. <laughs> Not a curse. Okay. So the title of this message is Sabbath, a holy rest for your soul. 
Renee asked me to speak on Sabbath, what it means to me, what it means to my family as believers, and how we celebrate it. I'm always blown away by the fact that God loves us so much and is so concerned with our well-being that he created a, I bet you're not going to expect what I'm going to say, <laughs> that he created a health plan for us. A protocol for healing. A regimen to stay in peace and rest. Mind, body, soul. He himself exemplified what it looks like to rest. Though he did not need it. <laughs> he stood in that place and showed us what it looks like. I think, because it's important to him. Sabbath is an invitation into holy rest. It's an invitation to stop from your labor and to restore your soul in his presence. It's about relationship and intimacy with the creator of the universe. Sabbath is a day of enrichment, fulfillment. It is complementary to our week. It's a complementary day to our week. It doesn't take away. It adds to it. It enriches. It fulfills. Sabbath is not intended to be a religious, a religious rite full of rules and regulations, but a relational experience full of symbolism. I don't know about you guys, but I have such a deep love for, for, for symbols and, and acts and um, you know, in our, in our um, stream, you know, we do interesting things sometimes, you know, <laughs> kind of like the prophets did, right? We'll wave things around. We'll do something prophetically. All these are symbolically uh, count for something. They're acts of faith. And so in Shabbat, in Sabbath, we have that as well. And I'm, later on, I'm going to kind of go through some of the things that we do as a family, some of the things that the Jewish people do. But I love it. I believe that, that God himself is all about the five senses. He wants us to experience him in all the ways that we can experience him. Yeah. Seeing him, touching him, feeling him, even smelling him, tasting, feeling. He's all about it. He wants every part of us to come into that place of rest I want to share a little bit about my personal story. For some of you may not know, a lot of you may know a lot about me, but I'm just going to share a little bit just to add to, kind of enrich what I want to share with you. I grew up in a believing home. I have a Jewish father and a Christian mother. And um, <clears throat> early on in their marriage, they got radically saved. And I mean radically saved. They went to Bible school then discipleship school, and then they gave it all. They sold it all and went out on the mission field with three young kids. One of them, at the time, diagnosed. Um, at the time, they would have called it um, dwarfism and was diagnosed um, to, I'm not sure what the politically correct word is these days, but that's what it was at the time. Um, and they felt the call of God to go to India. And everyone told them, don't go. If you go, your son will die. They had no one that stood with them. Even their parents, they had no one that stood in faith with them to take the call of God seriously and to go out in faith. But they took it to heart. 
And so they left. They sold everything and they left and they went to India. They had six months worth of medication for my brother, Nehemiah. And after six months, they weren't going to go back to the States. And they just said, Lord, we trust you. And they would declare of him every day, you will, you will be a mighty man of God and a mighty man in stature and in height. Well, I'm here to tell you that my brother Nehemiah is six foot three. <laughs> tallest one by three inches in the family. Completely healed. Completely healed. <laughs> His name is Nehemiah Paul, and he has a Paul anointing on his life. And he is a powerful and a mighty man of God, serving the Lord passionately and powerfully. I don't know why I shared that, but it's good. <laughs> and I just, I just want to say, this is the environment that I grew up in. My parents moved on. Well, in India, they were doing big crusades, miracles, signs and wonders. People raised from the dead. This was the atmosphere that I grew up in. And I also, but my dad also never gave up his Jewish identity. It was who he was. He simply believed that Jesus was the Messiah his people had been longing for. The fulfillment of the Old Testament prophets, the one the Old Testament prophets spoke of. Everything lined up. This is him. Come on, that's a big deal. And so I grew up in this fairly unique environment, raised to love Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit, but also to celebrate the Sabbath and the feasts. We even had this family book. It's called Tell Me More. I think my great uncle wrote it. He wrote it for his kids because they would always say, tell us more, tell us more, tell us more. These stories about my, my, my great grandfather who came from Lithuania. He was an Orthodox rabbi and came and settled in New York and then Maine. And um, it shares their story of how they came and what life was like as an immigrant, but it also shares very clearly and very detailed what the Sabbath was like for them. Isn't that incredible? I feel so honored to have this incredible memory book uh, for our family as well, but they would just share what it was like, the hustle and the bustle to get to the Sabbath moment. Mom would be cooking in the kitchen all day. Dad was at the synagogue. The kids would be cleaning, da-da-da. And then they would light the candles and a hush would come. And so this is kind of my background as a family. When we would celebrate Shabbat, it was all about rest and worship. You know, when we moved to the island of Cyprus, when I was a teenager to start our, our missions base there, it was just our family and a few people. And my dad knew that everything rests on our worship and, and creating and building an altar before him. And so we worshiped every day as a family. <laughs> we built that altar stone by stone, song upon song, worshiping together as a family and now that mission space is still there 20-something years later, and we've touched over 20-something nations, hundreds of kids going through this program, teaching them about the Sabbath and rest as well. I'm saying this to let you know where I'm coming from as I teach on what I believe to be a very important and needed addition to our journeys with the Lord. Okay, so let's dive into the word, amen? I didn't bring my Bible up. Um, yeah, come on, give it to me. Give it to me. Um, I, I, I do believe that my Bible is better than yours because it's lambskin. <laughs> and it's so soft. No, okay, that was a joke. It is special to me. Let's dive in. Genesis 2 2. Let's start at the very beginning. You can open up if you want to. Genesis 2 2 says, By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested 
on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now let's break down that verse a little bit to get a better understanding of the breadth and the depth of some of these words in their Hebrew origins, amen? Come on, our our English language is beautiful, but there's something special about understanding in the original text and, 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 you know, in Hebrew, one, three, three letters, one root word, you can have hundreds of words come from this one root word. And so it shows that there's so much complexity within each word. It's like a diamond. There's so many different facets, you know, and so much to dive into. So I want to share a little bit about that with you that maybe you hadn't known before. Let's start with the day seven. What is the significance of the seventh day? Seven is where the word Shabbat or Sabbath comes from. Some of the significance or the meaning of that means completeness, wholeness, perfection, and even healing. Healing? What? Anyone remember a certain story about a certain man who healed on a certain day? Okay, that's like a whole nother whole nother message, but keep that in there. That'll tell you what Shabbat is really about. Sabbath. Healing is allowed. Not just allowed. It's something he loves to do. Jesus healed on the Sabbath because he was the Lord of the Sabbath himself. Woo! So if you need healing, receive it, receive it. Okay, so on the day of completion or wholeness, he rested. Now, did God need rest? I don't believe God needed rest. But his work was done. He called it good. He said, mm, that's good. I'm gonna take a day off. He rested, and that's where the word Shabbat or Sabbath comes in. And here it means not just to rest, but to cease from, to stop working, to stop something. And so he ceases from his work, and he blesses the day, and he sanctifies it. In Exodus 20, verse 8, well, you've got there your Ten Commandments. Do people learn the Ten Commandments anymore? I found some interesting stuff on the internet when I was diving into this. I remember in Sunday school, it was driven into us, the Ten Commandments. That was a big deal. Guys, that's a big deal. Okay, I just want to make sure we're like on the same page here. Love the Lord your God. You go through each one. They're weighty and they're important. Teach them to your children. When you rise up and when you lay down, when you go out and when you come in, when you sit down to eat, teach them to your children. Listen, I'll give you a little parenting hack. I'm not a pro by any means, but I have four children. My oldest is almost 16. You don't get a lot of sit-down time. That's why the Lord's like, teach it when you go in. Teach it when you go out. Teach it when you rise. Teach it when you lay down. Let the word of God constantly be in your mouth. Teaching precept upon precept. Verse upon verse, word upon word. Let your children hear the word, the law of God in your mouth. At every moment of your day, don't make it a religious thing. Literally make it when you walk in and when you go out, when you get up and when you lie down. I bless the Lord. When I get in the car with my kids, the first thing I do is pray. I put my seatbelt on and I pray. They know it is the same prayer that I heard my parents pray when I was little. It just comes out. It's not a religious thing. It's, it's what is, was so uh, ingrained in me as a child 
Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for traveling mercies. I thank you for your guardian angels all around us. And hopefully one day, my kids, that will be so ingrained in them, that will be what they start saying when they get in their car. We do one other thing. We put on the full armor of God every time we get in the car in the morning on the way to school. We put on the salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. This is teaching them to your children. When you walk by the way, when you get up, okay, a rabbit trail. Now I know why preachers say that. Am I a preacher? (laughs) She preaches. Okay. (laughs) Rabbit trails. Okay. I understand. (laughs) I really want to follow that rabbit. (laughs) Exodus 20. Okay. Back to the Ten Commandments. (laughs) I take the Ten Commandments very seriously. I've found out recently that not everybody does and not everybody thinks they're binding. Okay, that can be another conversation. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Absolutely, 100%, completely. Okay, more to be said, but not for now. Exodus 20, yes, he did not do away with the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled them and he took us even deeper into the law to know him, to know his heart and bring us even more closer because he's not after a people just after their religious works, but he's after their hearts. I said I was done with that. Okay. Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment. I don't think everyone, maybe, maybe you didn't make the connection there. To keep the Sabbath holy is one of the Ten Commandments. It's important to Father God because he designed us in a particular way for a particular purpose for himself he's amazing how invested he is in our health in our growth in our love relationship with him (sighs) sanctify and keep it holy they're the same word and that word holy means there to keep it holy set apart consecrated or dedicated amazing He wants us to take this seventh day and to make it different from the other days. To set it apart. To consecrate it to him. I think of it like this. I, in our Shabbat, I'm, as I get older and the kids get older and life gets busier, I said, okay, this is our boundary line. And for us, it's Saturday. It works. Sometimes we have things we have to do. That's fine. There is grace. Let me just say that. It's about the heart, right? But this is our boundary line. On this day, this is our boundary line. We will stay home together. For the most part, I want my kids with me. I want to be not just with me. I want them close to me. At the women's conference I shared, I want all my kids, we we have this big couch I want them all sitting on that couch. That is my dream Sabbath day. At different moments of the day, I want each one of them touching me like some, just, I don't know. It's family because it's the heart of God. The family unit is, is one of the greatest examples of our relationship with the Trinity. Family is so important to God the Father. And so that one of those boundary lines, I want my kids with me. I want them on the couch. I don't care. We can be watching a movie. We can be playing a game. It's that togetherness, one heart together. And so for me, that's, that's part of my keeping it holy, keeping it set apart, consecrating it to him. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Ezekiel twenty twelve says, also I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them. 
that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them, who makes them holy. We are perfect in him who is perfect. And the Sabbath is meant to be a sign between him and us. Did you ever think of it like that? It's different. It's set apart. Okay, here's something I just love and thought it was so cool. There are two main words in Hebrew in this chapter used for rest. We've mentioned one. One is the Sabbath, which comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. And it means to cease or to stop working. Imagine you're, you're clocking out from an hourly job. Nobody does that anymore. But for me, it's a great visual. You put the card in, you clock out, you're done. That's what that word means. To stop working, to cease from, to enter into rest. You have to stop from something. You can't just slide into rest. If you can, that's amazing. (laughs) You have to cease from all that you've been doing that week. So you imagine that clocking out of work. The work is done. See ya. The, The other word used in that chapter, uh, Genesis 2, is nuach. Can everyone say nuach? Sounds kind of like Noah, noach. Noah in the Bible, his name was, in Hebrew it's noach. Comes from that same root word, rest. Interesting, right? A guy who was born for one of the greatest disasters of all time. (laughs) Truly was named rest. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Which makes me think about my own name (laughs) in times of, you know, apply the name God gave you to your circumstance. Hopefully it's a good one. (laughs) Jahi's name means dignity. That is who he is. He walks in a place like he owns a place. He's confident. He's secure. He's calm. He doesn't need to put himself out there. He just knows. He's like, he's very kingly, priestly. I'm not, I'm not, I am bragging. But like, it's an identity that he was named and he has stepped into that. My name means loving kindness. Both of my names mean loving kindness or a certain grace. Hannah, Chesed, they're both kind of around the name Grace. Double portion Grace because the Lord knew I needed it. Sometimes you just got to laugh. Grace upon Grace, I receive it. And I believe that I carry that when I walk into a situation. This word, this is so cool. Nuach, rest, the other word for rest in that chapter. It means to dwell or to settle in. It's not the same as clocking out of work. Think of settling in somewhere, getting comfortable and at peace and at rest on that cozy couch, or you're spending the night at your grandma's house and you're unpacking your bags and you're settling in for a cozy family night. That's, that's the weight that this word carries. It's also the word in modern day Hebrew for nap. Nach, <laughs> to, to, to rest, to take a nap. Isn't that great? There's freedom on the Sabbath to take a nap. In fact, it's encouraged. So guys, let's Shabbat. <laughs> These two ideas of rest are introduced in the same chapter here in Genesis. God takes time to Shabbat from his work, to stop from his work. And only a few verses later, we read that God creates man and woman, and then immediately he rests them or settles them in the garden with him. I don't know if you get the connection there. So he stops from his work, 
rest them in the garden with him. The literary structure here communicates a link between these two words. And so God rests from his work and he dwells with his people. He sets the first example of how important it is to rest. And so this idea of Sabbath all goes back to the garden. Intimacy and pleasure, delight forevermore. Constant communion with Father God. That's the hope. That's where our, our, our focus is, getting back to that place. I believe that the intention of Sabbath is to have a set-apart time to dwell with God, like in the garden of pleasure and delight. Woo! Sabbath rest is all throughout the scriptures. This idea of sevens, the seventh day, it's all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. The Sabbath, the seventh day, is one of seven festivals the Israelites practiced anticipating that Sabbath rest. Each of them were a Sabbath to the Lord. All these festivals are Sabbaths to the Lord. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate their slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And every seven times seven years was the ultimate year of rest. Anybody know what that was called? The year of Jubilee. In this year, anyone, if anyone had gotten to debt or lost land, everything was forgiven. Everything restored. So this idea of the seventh day, completeness, wholeness, fulfillment, enrichment, restoration, it all points. to that relationship with Abba Father. I wanna say that again, just to kind of drive this home. The Sabbath, it's the seventh day. There are seven festivals in the year. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate their slaves, forgive debts, let the land rest for a whole year. That's how committed they are to rest. That they let the land rest for an entire year. And they give whatever the harvest was to the poor freely. No one's allowed to, to, to sell anything. So everyone's taken care of in the Sabbath year. Everyone has provision in the Sabbath year. If you're living in debt, you get free. If you're a slave, you get free. Everything is restored. It's all pointing to something. This cyclical rhythm of rest is a divine setup, not only for our health, but also for our safety. We were not created to work endlessly. That was not God's intention for us to labor with no rest. Sabbath is our weekly reminder that our hope is not in our own strength, but our trust is in God. The Sabbath and the feast were all pointing to the hope of future rest and restoration just like in the garden of pleasure and delight. Like I said, it's all pointing to something. I think you know what it is. And the Bible makes it clear that Sabbath is for everyone. I want to drive this one home. I know I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. You're going to think, well, maybe you won't, I won't assume. But maybe some of you think, oh, that's just for, that's just for the, those people. Sabbath is for everyone. It's for those, it says it's for your slaves, your workers, for your sons, for your daughters. It's for the strangers that are in your area, in your home. It's even for your animals. There is provision for rest, even for your animals, even for the ground. He thinks of everything. He is the best. 
right? When you meet someone that just thinks of everything, you're just like, oh, you're the best. You think of everything because I am not that person. I want to be that person, but it's not at this time. I am a woman of faith. I prophesy over myself. That will be me. But the Sabbath is for everyone. I take it seriously. It is the fourth commandment. You'll hear it again from me. I believe as the body of Messiah, as the body of Jesus, there's something more for us about this idea of Sabbath. Sabbath is for everyone. We, we also see in the New Testament that Jesus celebrated the Sabbath. I don't believe it was just because it was customary, but it was so ingrained in who he is. He's his father's son. Did you get that? <laughs> like father, like son. They should have like daughter, like mother. I'm sure there is that. But how proud I would be if someone said that about my kid. That word nuach is used again when Jesus was baptized and the dove of peace came down and rested on him. <sighs> it settled in, it dwelled, the presence, the Holy Spirit found a resting place on peace himself. And so in Jesus, the fulfillment of that hope found a resting place. Everything pointed to him. All the years of longing. Because the Israelites, they, they forsook the Sabbaths. That was a big deal to God. You can read that in, later on in Ezekiel um, 20, I think. Man, there was some harsh judgment. You know why? They didn't take the Sabbath. They didn't make it holy. Anytime, anytime God thinks something's a big deal, I tend to also think it's a big deal. And so judgment was poured out their whole time in the desert. They didn't, they didn't keep the Sabbath. They, didn't keep, they were given, the, they didn't keep it. And so they didn't get to enter in. That's what Hebrews is talking about. Hebrews 3 and 4 about they didn't enter into his rest, into the promise because of their disobedience and their unbelief. Part of their disobedience was they didn't make the Sabbath holy. They didn't stop to thank him. They didn't stop from their labor. And so they weren't able to enter into the rest that he had prepared for them. Because of their unbelief, their hard hearts, and their disobedience. Come on, this is in here for our sake. These are lessons for us to learn from. They're grumbling, they're complaining. Man, I'm guilty. I am guilty of this. And then later on in Matthew 11, a scripture you all know so well, Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus is saying right there, guys, Jesus is so smart. He has a plan. Everything that comes out of his mouth, he's got a plan for where it's going to land and how it's going to land and how he's going to follow up and how he's going to proceed it. I am amazed when we dig into the word that he's thinking about it all. And so here at the end of Matthew, at the end of Matthew 11, he says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened from the law of trying to carry the law without the fulfillment of it doing it as a, a religious right and, and, and building all these uh, other laws inside of it. This scripture that we love precedes the next section, which is all about the Sabbath. I don't know if you ever put those two and two together. I believe it's for a reason. It's not for a mistake. 
The people had become weighed down under the burden of observing the law. And now Jesus becomes the fulfillment for that longing for rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the resting place for our souls. We find the rest we are looking for in Jesus. Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We are not meant to be a slave to the Sabbath, but the Sabbath the resting day was made for us. I want to make it clear that Sabbath is not only a cultural activity or a good thing to do, but remember, it's number four in the Ten Commandments. I told you I'm going to hit, I'm just going to keep hammering this. God takes keeping the Sabbath seriously. Okay, John Mark Comer, I don't know if many of you have heard from him. He's a pastor in Portland. He's incredible teachings. And he says, he's the author of Fight, Hustle, End, Hurry. I want to encourage you all to read this book. It's amazing and has so, um, I just, every time I listen to it, I get giddy because I'm like, he's saying everything I believe and everything I want for my life. But he says that Sabbath is basically four things. Stopping delighting, sorry, stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping. Stopping, we stop from our work, we slow down, we stop even from our worrying. This famous rabbi, Rabbi Heschel says, we not only stop from work, but we also stop from the thought of work. We empty our minds of all work. And then resting, we rest our minds, we rest our bodies, our spirits. Lots of sleeping can be involved, walking in nature. Obviously, this is specific to you and what you like to do, but anything that brings that sense of rest. Sabbath isn't about resting perfectly. It's about resting in the one who is perfect. The author Shelley Miller said that. And then delighting, celebrating the goodness of God. Feed your soul with beauty. It's okay. It's not gluttonous. Go outside. Look around. Feed your soul with the beauty of the Lord. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight there in Hebrew, one of the definitions, it's a nag, and one of the definitions is, this is crazy. You ready? <laughs> Just gonna make you wait for it, no. It is to be soft, to be pliable. I was not expecting that. So I wanna read that scripture with that there. Be soft or pliable in the Lord. <laughs> and he will give you the desires of your heart. <sighs> Be so sensitive to his movement, to his presence. Delight yourself in him. And then worshiping. To me, this is a huge part of the Sabbath day. Don't leave God out of it. He created it for you, for him. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Get centered in God in adoration. I was going to talk about practically kind of what we do, but I think I'll just skip down. We can talk about that another time. One of the most special things about Shabbat that we do is the blessings. The father blesses his sons and his daughters. He blesses his wife from the book of Proverbs 31. He reads it over her. My dad always read it over my mom, and at the end, when it says the children rise up and bless her, all of us, six kids, would stand up and we would say, Mom, many women have done nobly, but you have surpassed them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. 
Give her the fruits of her labors and let her accomplishments be a source of praise in the gates. Can you imagine if every mom was blessed every week in that way? Can you imagine if every son and daughter was blessed by their father at least once a week? We would live in a different world. This place would be different if the kind of blessing that people do on the Shabbat was released in every family, in every nation. And so I encourage you, bless your kids. If you take one thing away from here, rest and bless your family, bless your children, that they would know they are loved by their parents and by God the Father. I know that this was one of the most impacting things for Jahi when he came uh, to Cyprus, to our community and, and witnessed Shabbat. And he said, one day I'm gonna do this with my family and I'm gonna bless my kids every week. And we do that more than once a week, but it was like, this is something I wanna live by, a standard I wanna live by. Just to kind of sum things up, Sabbath is trust. It's trust at the core of who we are. Sabbath is faith. It's faith at the core of who we are. Trust and faith that we are not creator. We are creation. Without Sabbath, we are king. We are ruler. And we believe that we deserve control over every aspect of life. Sabbath takes us out of secular, out of worldly, and into sacred, into belonging, and into holy. Rest and trust in God takes us farther than we can go on our own. I want to read you a quote here as we finish up. It's Jen Wilkin. Our patterns of work and rest reveal what we believe to be true about God and ourselves. God alone requires no limits on his activity. To rest is to acknowledge that we humans are limited by design. We are created for rest just as surely as we are created for labor. An inability or an unwillingness to cease from our labors is a confession of unbelief. An admission that we view ourselves as creator and sustainer of our own universes. So Sabbath is about trust and faith. We are not God, we cannot control our circumstances. Does, I don't care who you are, you are not in control. So in conclusion, Sabbath is a gift. He designed us to need rest. And he gives the opportunity weekly. Weekly. For, for us, it's Saturday. I, I don't care about the day. Set apart a day. See what God will do in your life when you give him. One day. Now, can we access Sabbath peace? Can we access rest at any time? Absolutely. But I see my husband every day. We enjoy each other every day. But on that special day when we get to go out together and it's just us, and it's set apart, it renews and it increases and it enriches and it fulfills that love that we already have. And that's what Sabbath is like for me. If you wanna get good at resting, do it often. <laughs> can you mic drop? Can you like do that to yourself? I don't know, like say it about yourself, <laughs> mic drop. Oh boy. Do it often, again, weekly. He designed it, a pattern for us. If it's not natural or comfortable, like anything you wanna do well with ease, discipline yourself to do it. Put it on your calendar, make it happen. 
put a boundary line around the day that you choose. Stop from your work and settle in to dwell with God. Make it a discipline like exercise. Make it a priority today. And so in ending, my question for you today is how can you enter into his Sabbath rest? Is this a piece of the puzzle that's been missing from your life? Are you running around and hustling and bustling and always in a hurry and never slowing down? Are you constantly in a place of anxiety and never in a place of rest? Or would you like to have more rest? And what's keeping you from receiving this beautiful gift that he's given us from the beginning of time or from the beginning of creation? Something he himself did so that we would follow, made in his image, correct? Follow after his likeness, after what he does. Cut from the same cloth. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you. Would you just rest on us like the dove? We thank you that our bodies are, are the temple of the Holy Spirit and, and your presence has also found a resting place in us. When we asked Jesus to come into our hearts, he made a home with us. And we have access to host rest itself. Thank you, Jesus. Lead us and guide us in all that we've heard. Convict us if there needs to be conviction. Thank you, Lord, that you give grace. Grace and grace. Thank you, Lord, for taking away any unbelief that's keeping us from rest, from that place of entering into. Let your presence and let your peace rest on us today. Even as we leave today, we will carry that rest. Amen. I want to share one little last thing. There's a tradition at the end of Sabbath. Uh, we don't do it as a family, but I've been there. And I, maybe I would like to do something like this just because I like the idea. But at the end of Sabbath, culturally, customarily, they do this another service and they light a candle, but also they put spices in a box and then they go around and they snook the spices and they pass it around and they said to remind us that Sabbath will get into our nose and we will keep Sabbath, the smell, the fragrance of rest with us throughout the entire week. We'll carry it with us. And we'll remind ourselves when we smell the spices that rest is available for us throughout the rest of the week as we anticipate the next Sabbath day of rest. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.